Welcome to the number one cookbook podcast, Cookery by the Book, with Susie Chase. She's just a home cook in New York City, sitting at her dining room table, talking to cookbook authors. Hello, I'm Ed Smith. I am a cook and a food writer, and this is my third cookbook. It's called Crave, Recipes Arranged by Flavor to Suit Your Mood and Appetite. You dedicated this cookbook to anyone who is currently thinking about their next meal, but can't decide in which direction to turn. Most of us ponder what we're going to eat next by what's in our fridge or pantry, but you've realized the ingredients are the building blocks, not the answer. I'd love for you to share your philosophy around our next meal. Crave is organized by six flavor profiles, which we can go into in a minute, but um, I think I did that because I do spend all of my time thinking about what I'm going to eat next. And I think when you do that, if you're a hungry person, your mind can get flooded with ideas, with inspiration from over the internet, things you read, things you see on TV. And it's just really easy, I think, to get in a muddle and also what I call kind of like menu paralysis. They just don't know what to cook next. You end up cooking the same five or six things over and over and over again. And I just sort of realized that whilst I do often base my food on ingredients I see in front of me that are in peak in the season at that time or you know walking to a butcher's or a greengrocer's where I live in London there's loads of really inspiring places actually the times that I'm most successful in what I decide to cook actually it's because I've cooked something that suited the flavor that I was craving at the time does that make sense totally totally if it made me make more sense if I tell what the six different flavors are yes would you do that (laughs) <laughs> All right. So I, I felt that they were uh, fresh and fragrant, tart and sour, chilly and heat, spiced and curried, rich and savory and cheesy and creamy. So somewhere I think I read or I heard you say that you crave the fresh and fragrant profile most. Talk to me about that one. About the, the craving in particular or, or my craving for it? I think... Um, well, tell, uh, fra- describe the profile first and yeah. then what, what's appealing. Because I think I'm a rich and savory and a cheesy and creamy gal. Fresh and fragrant is um, green, verdant things. So leaves, things that crunch, that are cooling. It's um, fresh cheeses, sort of ricotta and feta. It's vegetables that are crunchy. It's things that often don't take much cooking to get to the plate salads and assemblies and platters and stuff that make you feel good when you eat it it's often not really taking the ingredients much beyond their raw state because i think you know that's the freshness isn't it you know and, and herbs used in abundance not just as a little garnish it's herbs like a salad leaf uh citrus all that sort of stuff and um i want those things when i want to feel good i want to feel light i want to feel happy i might already be feeling happy or i might be in a grump but i just know that a fresh and fragrant meal is going to pull me out of it so in the in the cookbook some things are literal salads is like a just a uh, hammock, tarragon, radish, and, and, and asparagus salad, um, but also slow cooked courgettes, but with fresh cheese and, and, and run through loads of white beans with loads of oil and some fresh herbs. Just nice things. And I think that I do crave that a lot because it covers so much of what I've said. It's like whether it is already hot and I'm feeling happy or whether I'm feeling in a grump and I want to feel lighter and happier. Yeah, you talked about in the book um, how it's important to eat food that feels appropriate to what's going on outside. Yeah, I think one of the, maybe the genesis for this book, or at least one of the things that started me thinking about it is that I've written, I've written a seasonal cookbook and there are lots of seasonal cookbooks and they're all great. And I do think that we often can eat really well if we concentrate on the food that's 
at its peak at, at the certain time of the year and, and be inspired by that. But I also think that seasonal cooking means cooking according to the season and how you, what you feel like cooking, which goes to that point about fresh and fragrant and things being assemblies and salads. And if it's really hot, you don't want to spend all your time in the kitchen slaving over a hot stove. You want to just cut a few things up and sit around the table. And, and that's sort of started. And then I realised that, and certainly in the UK, the seasons are really mixed, actually. We're so used to talking about four seasons. But right now, uh, I'm sitting here and it is the end of June. And um, normally, uh, normally that's where Wimbledon's about to start. You know, it might be some years that it's a bit wet, but it is warm and strawberries are coming through and all these little lovely things. And you're really starting to think that summer's here. But having had a mini heat wave for a week, we're suddenly in literally autumn, autumnal weather. And the things that I'm craving today and the things that I want to eat right now are not summery things. They're bean stews and roast meats and, and vegetable gratins and stuff. And that is not what you'd see in the summer section of a seasonal cookbook. So that got me thinking that you know, weather is, is perhaps more important than season in terms of what you crave. Everything flowed from there. So at the end of two of the flavor profiles, you have a page called A Quick Fix, which is so brilliant. Can you talk a little bit about that? I think <laughs> off the top of my head are um, uh, rich and savory and cheesy and creamy. And I think that I had a little quick fix section at the end because I guess maybe my, that started with the cheesy and creamy section as I was writing that because ultimately for me, the best way to get it fixed if you're craving cheese is to have a piece of really good cheese and you can't write a recipe for that. So uh, I think I started with that and then just simply grilled cheese. Like how, how how better can you can you get a fix for things like that? So there are just sort of kind of little ideas that everyone knows about already. But sometimes if you're reading a cookbook, there are lots of things you already know, but sometimes you want to have a, your memory job and that was the kind of same with the, the savory section like some things that hit the spot very quickly with savory might be anchovies on toast with, with lots of butter or um, a really good cup of miso soup made with an instant dashi and a blob of miso it's sometimes useful in a cookbook I think to state the obvious because not everything has to be new and fortunately people buy cookbooks to read them as well as put on their coffee table and, and it's good to have your memory jogged and to, to feel like you're on the right track as well there are recipes in this cookbook that I've never seen before like scrag and root and miso broth and pork belly butter beans and deli olives and your linguine with lemon and sriracha. Talk a little bit about your process for developing a recipe. I don't think there's uh, many things uh, that are in cookbooks or um, that anyone cooks that someone hasn't cooked before. So I wouldn't ever say that I've done something for the first time. In my cookbook and the way that I, that I write recipes for magazines and my cookbooks and, and everything else that goes in between is that I am a good curator of recipes and ideas and traditions and cuisines and flavours so that the cookbooks I make are kind of like, I hope, a useful resource that isn't pretending to only give you stuff you've never had before. You know, a bun char, a Vietnamese salad with, with pork patties my twist my thing is that it's definitely my recipe for that patty but I'm not laying claim to Bun that's Vietnam but there are some things in there which I think are my ideas and, and I guess that pork belly is like a slow braised pork belly which is some white beans really not difficult loads of people have done it before and then the twist is for marinated olives I think if you just chop that up you make yourself a quick and easy sauce over the top and that's all that is it's just a simple dish the spiracha spaghetti with lemon is really pretty similar to I'm going to say this wrong aglio e olio Italian pasta dish with just olive oil garlic that's very very gently cooked down into it and some chili flakes but i just added a really good 
quite a large squirt of sriracha, which is um, Southeast Asian chili sauce. And people love sriracha. People love noodle dishes, as in spaghetti, good squeeze of lemon. And then I added a pangotato over the top, which is normally a breadcrumb thing that's fried with garlic and other delicious stuff. But again, if you add chili flakes and, and sriracha to that, and suddenly you've got a tangy, chili hot thing that's just going to suit your chili and heat craving. You're a bit of a recipe maestro. You think? I would never think of putting sriracha in linguine. Thank you. I think there's a rich history of cultures making very, very simple but delicious dishes with either a spaghetti or an Italian-style pasta or, or noodles from China, Japan from and, and elsewhere in um, Nigeria. She does a Marmite pasta, I think. And, and that's a kind of like a twist on Chinese sesame noodle situation. It's kind of the savoury coating, gloss, very, very simple thing or, and adding a bit of marmite. And I think in my mind, I had the sriracha as a similar condiment that it makes a very quick, easy thing. So speaking of nigella, you talk about the word crave, which is usually associated with sweet and fatty decadence. And so I had her on the podcast a few episodes ago, and she was talking about her distaste for the term guilty pleasure. Mm. In her latest cookbook, she has a whole chapter called Pleasures, because she says the term guilty pleasures warps your sense of what you're seeking in food. And then there's comfort eating, which is a whole other episode. But you mentioned that the research suggests that many crave healthy rather than guilty food when they need comfort. One of the subject areas is um, that's got a huge amount of stuff written about it is, is comfort food. And that is something that I think has two connotations that I read about often is the idea that people seek comfort in a tub of ice cream. You know, that's that classic kind of movie thing, isn't it? You break up with your partner and you just sink into the sofa with, with a tub of ice cream. Also, comfort food is, tends to be written about in the UK and US press as roast chicken or chicken soup, things that are wholesome and savoury. And in fact... Both of those things, the seeking solace in ice cream or seeking solace in savory things, it's just a tiny fraction of what people really want as comfort. Quite often, more often than you'd think, people that are either feeling like they are hungover or they're unhappy or they're ill or, they're, or they um, are in a bad mood, many, many people realise that the thing that is going to get them out of that slump is not a guilty pleasure, something that's fresh, something that makes you feel good and makes you feel happy and it makes you bounce out of that slump comfort food is different things to different people quite frequently that's different thing it takes you back to your happy place so often for many not everyone that's your childhood and obviously people's heritages and so we have reduced comfort food in media to a tiny fraction of what it really is yeah, it's so funny because I grew up in Kansas um, with little or no pasta. And so I never crave pasta and people think I'm crazy. <laughs> Do you have a different kind of carb that you attach your cravings to? Like when you really want something, is it potatoes? Yeah. Is it rice? Is it? I think it'd be potato. Yeah. Just corn? Corn, potato and steak. <laughs> right. I mean, that's good. And is that something you go back to when you do want, want something to feel you know, well, for comfort? Yes. Home food, home cooked food from food from the from the childhood. What do you go back to in your childhood? Probably as a roast dinner, which is such a British thing to say, isn't it? And, you know, mum cooked everything from scratch. We had a really good upbringing in terms of learning how to cook and to cook nice things. By no means were her meals or even the best meals roast dinners. But I think something about a roast chicken with all the veg on a cold, wet Sunday that does sort of bring things back. 
For lunch, I made your recipe for chopped kale, dill, and chickpea salad with smoked trout on page 32. Can you describe this dish? That's in the fresh and fragrance section. And the fragrance comes from lots and lots and lots of dill, uh, a little bit of citrus. Um, The freshness comes from both the taste and also the kind of cold, chilled texture of cucumber in that dish is dressed with yogurt and dill. Lots of chopped salad that's been chopped and salted and a bit of citrus so it breaks down the kale. There are chickpeas in there that are just cooked and there are chickpeas in there that have been baked and so they're crispy. So there's loads of textures going on and then it's finished with some flaked smoked trout and that all comes together with the freshness of the, the kale, the cucumbers, the yogurt dressing, dill, smoked fish just to, to make it interesting. It was a lovely summer lunch. And yes, I love trout so much. It's lovely, isn't it? I think it's really good. And I think I think that is a, that is a good lunch dish and one that isn't wildly difficult to put together. Hopefully the ingredients are pretty accessible. So if you did have a craving for fresh and fragrant at nine o'clock in the morning and either you had most of those ingredients in the fridge or store cupboard or you could pop out to the shop and get it and you could hopefully satisfy that craving pretty quickly. Now to my segment called Last Night's Dinner, where I ask you what you had last night for dinner. Do you know what? I feel both uh, happy and a little bit cringingly embarrassed to say that I genuinely had the sriracha and lemon spaghetti last night. I had just driven for about five hours back from a different part of the country. I dropped my wife off in the middle of London who went to a work event and then drove my son a little bit further, unpacked the car, did all these things, and suddenly it was 9.30 at night, and obviously we hadn't got any food at home, except, as always, bag of spaghetti, some garlic, some old bread, some sriracha, and it hit the spot, absolutely, because I was tired, and I was ready for some pasta, but more importantly, I think probably having been driving for five hours in the rain, pretty ready to have a little bit more excitement in my day, was, was just what I needed. Well, I'm excited, because I'm making it tomorrow night. I have clams that oh, I great. need to make, and I think they're alive in my fridge, so I need to make them tonight, but tomorrow, I'm making making that linguine and I can't wait. So I really hope you like it. My, my dad actually called me the weekend to say that he'd made it. He rarely cooks. He said, I thought I'd put too much of the chili sauce in, but I, I reminded him that the tablespoon was a genuine measurement, not just the biggest spoon you can find in the kitchen. <laughs> 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 that and also I suspect uh, he might well have a different tolerance to heat than me so hopefully you like it depending on all those factors so where can we find you on the web and social media rocket and squash at rocket and squash as in I was going to say the salad leaf but you call it arugula I think don't you yes. um, <laughs> so the rocket as in a space rocket and squash which is also the name of my blog rocketandsquash.com and that's me I write all over the place for lots of magazines and newspapers and but I suppose most active these days on on Instagram and a little bit on my blog. Well, this has been an enlightening conversation. Thanks so much, Ed, for coming on Cookery by the Book podcast. My pleasure. Thanks so much for having me. Follow Cookery by the Book on Instagram. And thanks for listening to the number one cookbook podcast, Cookery by the Book.